are live. Hello to all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals of Podcastland, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Fights, a worldwide wrestling actual play podcast, and the second half of our first ever Fireside Chat special. Oh man, is everybody in for a treat, but as always... I am Mikey. I am the creative slash game master for this amazing podcast. You can follow me on my socials at PopCultureGeek. You can also follow us at D&D Vibe Tribe Production. Make sure to give us a like and follow to stay up to date with all the goings-ons here at Vibe Tribe Productions. Seven actual play podcasts, three regular podcasts. We got something for everyone, so we're all inclusive. And there is something for everybody, so make sure to go check them out and support these amazing people. Speaking of amazing people, I am not alone in this endeavor tonight, as I am joined by my amazing cast of Friday Night Fights. So we're going to go around, they're going to give a little introduction about themselves, who they play, and then we'll get into all the goodness in this fireside second part. So... First up on my list is the one and only Echo. Hello, everyone. I am Echo. I play John McCaw the Six. I have so many more questions about wrestling now from our last episode. Join me on the newest D&D Vibe Tribe. Ethan learns and Echo learns wrestling as I try to go back in history. I, that doesn't, D&D Vibe Tribe does not need to make this podcast. That sounds like a fantastic podcast. <laughs> Watch these and learn. Let us discuss. Oh my goodness. That is, I'm writing it down for bonus Patreon content where we just like every week, like we sit down, we like one of us will be like the head instructor. We'll pick like a certain event in history or like a storyline or something. And we'll break it down like academically of what happened, why was it important and give a full analysis as we teach echo here, the world of professional wrestling. It'll be a great time. So thanks for the idea, but we're going to go on to our next guest. Speaking of great ideas, the one who told me to write it down, the one and only mini. <laughs> How's it going guys? What do you want to see? Two one eight. Uh, you catch me on the socials in the same same name. I play in this wonderful game. I play Axel, the reigning, defending, AW Tag Team Champion. Yes, sir. Uh, you guys can also catch me here also on the Academy when that gets started up. I play Mr. Rathme, the ha- drunk all the time, lovable asshole. So catch it out. I love also that. You for, just so for the Academy, uh, also for the Academy, I play Liz and Alex, the Changeling Bard. <laughs> There's a lot of intercrossing characters here. It is amazing. And I love the fact, Minnie, that you just cut a miniature promo in your introduction that is Chef's Kiss. Moi. Speaking of Chef's Kiss, this man has a face that I would love to kiss. The one and only John. We were all waiting to see who it was going to be. <laughs> who is it? Is it me? Is it you? Oh, my name is John Crossway. I'm a theater teacher. I teach at too many colleges. I'm also on the TikTok. Eventually, when I'm not angry at the algorithm, I'll be on there. At some point, I, I'm on several of the Vibe Tribe podcasts as NPCs. You can find me in Call of the Deep, raising all sorts of hell over there. Here I am, Bjorn Kringleson. Oh, no! He's a slightly erotic Viking Santa Claus who pulls things out of a sack. We'll just let that profile sit there like that. Also, a part of the reigning defending tank team champions and the Coal Club. Yes, sir! <laughs> yes, sir! Yes, sir. <laughs> Managed by Blitz and the Kitten. Co-manager. 
the coffee the joke. Oh my goodness, I can't wait for all this to come to fruition in this next arc. But the next player that we have joining us tonight is the one and only Adolfo. <laughs> Saludos programas. I am Adolfo, the nerdy Puerto Rican. You can find me over on the Instagrams and on the TikTok as the Nerdy Puerto Rican. I also have a little podcast called the Nerdy Puerto Ricast, which episode five will be dropping sometime. I don't know. I also do play uh, some other games here at the D&D Vibe Tribe. Uh, let's see, in Furosato, I play my, my Samurai Shodai. Uh, and then over at the Academy, I play my most friendly, totally not creepy deep gnome uh, necromancer Dagny but here at Friday Night Fights I play the macho mage Silver Zap yeah reigning IAW champion let that razzle dazzle into your brain oh yeah it's been months it's never gotten old once like, it's, a brand, it's a brand new band-aid ripped off every single time. It's amazing. It's so good. I love it. And of course, last but not least, joining us tonight, the one and only Chris. Hello, hello, friends. This is Chris, also known here as the Umbral Talon. The, your currently reigning IAW Bedlam Break Champion, which was a hell of a fight. Uh, you can find me on the social medias as either Pupriku or Puppyriku. Doesn't matter. You'll find me. Other places here on the Vibe Tribe, you can find me. You can find me as Kaito Shiba on Furusato, as well as your lovely DM for the Academy, as everyone here, except for John, are regular players in. I am definitely dragging John in to be an NPC. I think I have a couple ideas. <laughs> he might become the next John. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? If Hi, I my could, name's if, John, if, and I'm playing John. If I could <laughs> handle a party of eight, we'll see. <laughs> and that joke writes itself. Oh, I need <laughs> Sounds like Tuesday night. Anyway, back to you, Mikey. <laughs> Listen, if I can handle a party of 12, you will do marvelous with anything less than that. <laughs> That's for the Patreon content. If you want to hear my experiences as a first-year DM ever running 12 players through D&D, man, that was a fun campaign, but yeah, I got some stories. But that is for the bonus content. Also, if we all agree, I will... Did a Patreon of you just venting about how difficult it's been? <laughs> Just like reading from an old school live journal. Just here's everything that happened today and I hate my life. Oh gosh, live journal. No, we can't go down that rabbit hole because we'll be here all night. We got a ship to sail. We got a train to run. But as I mentioned at the top of this episode, this is the second portion of our Fireside Spat special. This time around, we're going to talk about more about the story and then maybe more deep dives into the world of professional wrestling. We don't know what's going to happen here, but we hope you're enjoying the ride as much as we are. So. And for those special people who don't like these updates, you wait two weeks. I'm sorry. We have a schedule to upkeep. Listen to these. They're actually interesting. They're really interesting. And they allow us as a cast to be, quote unquote, more human and just be ourselves and talk about everything that has transpired because it's more interesting that way. But on the last 
part of our fireside chat, we kind of went into a little bit about how I never planned for Macho Mage to be IAW champion, but my god, just because of the added character dimension and everything that happened, he is. So yeah, this, and we kind of briefly talked about it, but this is the first kind of big gold championship in his career that he's ever held. So this is going to be interesting evolving dynamic when it comes to all this. But speaking of dynamics, one that I was never anticipating, but I am so happy that we got just because of how much fun it was with this particular storyline for the IAW Tag Team Championships. Okay, so where do we begin with this one? So it was posed on the last episode from Minnie to me. Did I expect Bjorn and Axel to have this dynamic and become a team? The short answer of it is no. <laughs> like what? Once again, it was never in my original plans. And in fact, before we start getting into the deep dive, would you all care to hear what exactly I had originally planned for that title? <laughs> I am interested in how you thought that was going to shake out because there's a few things. I believe I am part of the problem why this didn't come out. Go on. <laughs> and as we all know, what I've done, Minnie's character. He'll turn. Okay, so that was part of it, but let me backtrack to the beginning. Can so we please call that episode Heel Turn? That is... So, spoiler alert, that episode is actually called Heel Turn. <laughs> That's what I named it. <laughs> it's great. But anyway, so after we had our session zero after character creation, my original plans for the tag team titles actually... So, the Sakura Bombs were still going to be the main champions that the tag team that was chasing for the titles we're going to face at the pay-per-view. However, my original plan was to have the tag teams actually be Wheels and Umbra going after the tag titles. And the uh. way I figured is because during our conversation, during character creation, they have love-hate relationship going on with each other. But <laughs> yeah. when it comes to brass tags to get the job done, they'll put aside their differences. And basically, this was supposed to be a can they coexist like tag team storyline. <laughs> yes, Mom. sir. Mikey, I just you said Sakura bombs. And f for some reason, I thought you said soccer moms. I was like, there's a new tag team. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I'm putting this down for the next promotion. We're going to have a tag team known as the soccer moms. <laughs> they roll up in an SUV. <laughs> the revenge like, of the like Kool-Aid and Rice Krispie treats. Come on, everybody. <laughs> no. OK, so. Let me speak to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So side tangent real quick. So in AEW, there's a faction known as Best Friends, right? And so one of the running gags is that one of the wrestlers, Trent Beretta, sometimes when they come to the ring, they show up in like this white SUV van driven by Trent Beretta's actual oh, no. mother. Wow. So it is so ridiculous and I love every single moment of it and it's just she even part of the roster page just Sue is her name so that's Trent's mom's name it's just like that's Sue fantastic. it is ridiculous and it's amazing in all seriousness though the the tag team that formed the Cole Club that was like the hidden holiday gift that you didn't know you got and then you look behind the menorah or the Christmas tree or whatever it is and you're like what's that and you open it up and you're like oh, oh this yes that's funny I wonder if Macho Mage had ever had any sort of recognition from any promotion ever the way that that sort of worked out like this jobber that's never won a match wins a few matches and all of a sudden you want to join a faction 
Oh, oh. Yeah, it was like in the last two matches, like all this stuff just happened to him that has never happened before. He was he did he was in a tag team with Umbra when they first started. No, that was I was waiting for that to reunite at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda hard now. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. It's very true. Sorry, I just hit my mic. It's all good. But yeah, so I never expected Axel and Bjorn to have a tag team. But yes, and we've been alluding to it for the last five minutes. But now let's go into what actually, honestly, was probably like seven. No, yeah, 80% of the reason where we just, I scrapped the original plans and went with this was during the match between Axel and Moose when, you know, we got introduced. Oh, Elk. Elk. (laughs) Sorry. Elk. (laughs) Because we don't get, we don't get in trouble. Impact Wrestling, please. I love your c- stuff. Don't hate, don't sue us. <laughs> but Elk, so like during that match, I knew Echo that your the manager was going to do some sort of shenanigans. What I wasn't expecting is as a response to that, Axel's just like, "Fuck it, we're gonna go full heel turn." I'm like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> so on my end of it. I was looking at my character sheet, looking at stuff I can do, and I looked and I saw, make a heel turn. I went, huh, this is a good fucking moment for it. I I feel like that also sealed my fate that I'm part of the group now, the heel turn. I was in fraction just called the heel turn, and it's just everyone turns as the promotion goes on. So he put the mask on my head. I was like, man, I need some way to like, because like, I feel like Axel was just being the generic dumb guy that likes animals. So I was like, I gotta find a way to spice him up a little bit. I had that heel turn ready, I just didn't know when to bust it out. It happened a lot sooner than I would I originally wanted it to, but it worked out just fine. Then he then John decided to have Bjorn come talk to Axel when he was like throwing shit around on the backstage, trying to find John. Then Bjorn was like, hey, let's go talk. And I was like, immediately as he said that I actually DM'd John, I was like, are we about to become a tag team? Yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> it was just what's great is that these cool organic moments that are being discovered, right? All of a sudden, it's like, is this happening? Is this happening? Is this happening? Oh, that's happening. I think we definitely became a tag team. What solidified it was that fight in a parking lot with the soccer moms. That was the... <laughs> soccer, oh, soccer we, work, moms. we work well here. This is great. Uh, I'm trying... I'm going to say this. I'm trying my best for a redemption arc with John. <laughs> Like, with the help of the Macho Mage, that was supposed to start it off. And it just fell apart. I mean, yeah. it also made it work really well because in our very in session one, the very first match Axel was in was against Bjorn to get yeah. off the naughty list. That's right. That's uh, right. He won right. the match and in, in repayment of, like, you put me on the nice list, so I'm going to do something for you. Gave him a kitten, which then we turned into Blitzen, our manager. Yep. Mm-hmm. That kitten is what started this budding friendship. That kitten has such more of an important plot point than I think Mikey ever intended. No, and that's the rescue, other thing. Rescue kitten. We need yeah, to clarify sure. that. Rescue, this is rescue kitten. This is true. There was a humane society, right? There was. Uh, yep. Axel uh, still supports it. He throws towels out in the crowd with the name of the rescue shelter on it. He still supports them. I'm going to say this. I feel like no matter what now, the only way I can make in canon is that kitten is from Pain Town. That's the only way I can accept it. Because we made a kid that Pain Town exists. That is a magical cat, and I know which cat it is. 
It's the it, Yule Cat. It has the, it also, in this realm, is this, it has the, it's just too cute. Like, once, and I didn't, I was never told anything about this, but once they just, once everyone started describing that, like, every episode, Blitzen, the manager for this tag team, was always dressed up in a cute little outfit every different time. And then what got me was the little bow tie. Fuck it, he's the manager now. I can't say no. I'm like, my heart, I can't do this. Here's the reason. <laughs> Did this? Oh, so did how, the signing? Like, did everything? It was fantastic. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I, I he was put on. He stands on like bodyguard duty too. Hey, watch this guy. Listen, was like, got you, dude. And just watch this. I also love the idea. I also love the little introduction which I did with Blitzen, where Grassman and Blitzen are just like just like signing stuff in the background. Oh my gosh, it is so yes. ridiculous, and I love the it. Besides Macho Mage's entrance for the for against his match against Axel. The best entrance was Blitzen introducing both me and Bjorn coming into our tag team match. He got there and he was like, meow, 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 and then we oh, get awesome. that's right! We did do that! <laughs> it was glorious. See, it's that's why I love wanted to have these fireside chats, because then we get to relive, relive all the ridiculousness that there's happened. So many, there's so many plot points. You can... I like how this is supposed to take place in the real world, and then this happens. Well, in the world of professional wrestling, this is... Insane. Yeah. That's the thing, though, right? Go ahead, Adolfo. As a fan and listener of the podcast, I'm, I have this, like, dark fascination, or not fascination, I have a dark want, a dark want to see if Blitzen ever gets kidnapped, like they used to do, like, back in the day, the WWF, WWE, like, what, what's, what happens with Bjorn and, like, Axel, like, how they're, like, because I just see if Blitzen gets kidnapped, that Bjorn and Axel are just going to fucking go off the rails. And it's going to be beautiful. And I like, I have a sick want to see that. So just if any I other, mean, if other fans of the podcast are listening. The circumstances yeah. have been presented, right? Like we all see where the snap could come from. In our first official match together, we put two small Japanese girls through car windows. <laughs> and didn't care at all. <laughs> okay, so that actually... And, and, go for it. And Bjorn still has a broken hand. It's true. He still has a broken hand. He's never gone to go to Brittany to fix it. <laughs> yeah, my, my hand looks like elephantitis by now. It is not good. Like, it's got to be all sorts of gnarly. And... So that well, actually is... I know. That's actually a nice little segue. So I've had... Every character in their little storylines have had one of my favorite moments. My favorite moments in the tag team storyline, like as the creative, was just I was like, okay, you two are you two you two are gonna fight like all four of you, y'all gonna fight in the parking lot. And just the ridiculousness that came from the parking lot brawl was it was madness. It was that was where Axel debuted his new finisher, the uh, Mm -hmm. Lysor, that military press into the Spybuster. We're on top of a car. Yep. I think I, I went to pull off a Canadian Destroyer and missed, if I'm not mistaken. Was that? I think you did. I'm going to go yeah. for Canadian Destroyer. You messed it up. Damn it. <laughs> besides that, my favorite moment, besides me busting up the finisher for the first time, was me just going crazy in the tag title match and just chopping everybody in the ring. Just throwing chops to everybody and just throwing, like just chopping people, throwing people. Just going, oh, you get a chop, you get a chop, you get a chop, you get a chop. What was funny. He goes his ass kicked to the outside ring. I, I couldn't. I, okay, I'm gonna say this: the most annoying part of that match. I wanted to stop you, 
but it costs two momentum to. When I can just stop John with one. I want to stop you so bad, but I'm like, I can't. So I just kind of have to keep on shooting John with the damn t-shirt cannon. Oh, that friggin' cannon. Why did that do so much? It's a friggin' t-shirt cannon. But it like, <laughs> and cussed me at like most important moment. Oof. Fuck. <laughs> Minnie, um, I have to admit, I am quite jealous that you had the Ric Flair moment that I've always wanted to have. Where you were just like, because that when Axel was doing, that's all I saw was just, you get a job. So so like, I'm like, I'm fucking Ric Flair right now. Like, I'm chopping everybody. Honestly, that whole pay per view just was like, I had so much fun because it was just the culmination of everything that we have been doing in the past episodes, like sessions leading up to this pay per view. It was amazing. But okay, so like I said, I never expected. Again, I wasn't expecting this tag team to be the one that was going into the tag title storyline, but I'm so happy it did. The other thing I was not prepared to do that I changed my mind really quick about after that parking lot brawl was the fact that now that the champions actually respected you guys as a tag team because they bowed to you and then they told you they gave they literally gave you the match at the pay-per-view. There's a very strange like Bjorn speaking Japanese to the Sakura bombs like there's this weird relationship strange thing going on here hey, which just, I was not expecting either it was it worked you're like hey hey jump up the ladder ladder and she was like I got you watch this yeah it's like let me do this okay great I'm gonna steal this championship then bye like Mikey let me get away with it <laughs> and I think that just made a better story too because given everything that happened between the- your rivalry with the soccer bombs and then we'll revisit it in this next upcoming arc but technically the soccer bombs are being blamed for like laying out macho mage in backstage area during one of the sessions because it was i think we all know who actually did it but from a story perspective it's interesting because like they're being painted as the ones responsible but then it's just like you're they're giving you the the tag team of the respect and then they're, they were cool with just being batshit crazy and like jumping off the ladder and lost the titles. But then they were fine with it because they wanted to fight you guys again because they enjoyed fighting you. I mean, that sells tickets. I love it. I think the best thing about attracting though is our promo. Just us just sitting there in the ring just going, isn't that supposed to be mahogany or just like this random like stupid conversations we have with each like, other. Like this is mahogany. <laughs> Hey, that was a really nice table. Why'd you go through it, man? That was a mahogany table. And Why then- did you? No, no, no. I believe with the mahogany part, I carved. I was carving my, my, my tongue through it with the grass man, and you're like, "Why? This is mahogany." Right. And then like just us going making fun of Harl's name, like he's Harl. Wow. Yeah, Harl. That's right. What, Harl? Did your mom not love you, or what's going on here? Did you forget to buy a consonant? Did you just forget? Do you want one? Could you? Is it with the J? Okay. Can you not pronounce so, so let's that what talk it is? about that really quick. So, like, once again, my original plans to where we ended up completely got thrown out the window. <laughs> I, my intention was never to include a third tag team into that pay-per-view match. It was just going to strictly be Cole Club versus the Soccer Bombs. But then everything that transpired after you, Bjorn put, after you guys put manager John into Bjorn's sack, and then there was a little bit of, 
There was a little bit of a saltiness and vindictiveness from Manager John. I was like, okay, we have to add a third tag team in here. For I him. want my revenge. Yeah, once that happened, I was like, okay, really quickly, what am I going to do? What am I do? I'm looking at my notes. Okay, we need a third tag team. What are we calling this? The Bayou Brotherhood. It's lame, but we got this. I literally yeah. just took existing wrestlers and just threw them in there. Is basically what happens when you throw Bray Wyatt, Brock Lesnar's kid, and Nikki Cross into a tag team, and boom, you have your own little group. <laughs> Is that I, girl a boy too? Jeez. <laughs> I, again, as a it's listener, I truly appreciate that naming convention, the Bayou Brotherhood, because it, it's, I, as a wrestling fan, it's so cheesy, yet I can see someone, wa- a tag team walking onto WWE or whatnot <laughs> as the, the Bay- Bayou Brotherhood. See what you're all about. I know exactly yep. how you dress. I yep. know who you voted for. Like, exactly. Yep. I know exactly <laughs> yep. what you're all about. Yep. So my only issue when I came up with the Cole Club name, though, was isn't Adam, doesn't Adam Cole have a group called the Cole Club or is his group called something different? I was concerned. I, mean, I was the Cole Club. I was like, fuck, Adam Cole. Oh, no. It's spelled differently, so I don't think we'll get in ah. trouble for it. But the thing is that Adam Cole has, like, so many different factions that he's a part of. I'm pretty sure, like, some of those names can sit through the clutch. I do know that the one thing we can never do is we can't do something similar to Adam Cole, baby, because I'm like, yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> nah, I mean, well, Yorn Quigerson, baby, that doesn't make any sense. Yorn yeah, Quigerson, baby, what? <laughs> I have a general question. This can come for the group or even you, Mikey. And I, this is kind of thread as I was revisiting some of the podcasts. And Adolfo, as a listener, probably has keen on this as well how much of this do we think is real how much of this do we think is like from meds or lack of meds because we are on insane asylum wrestling like how much of this is happening in their daydream and how much of this is like patience so that is an ex so that is an excellent point because i remember in session zero Ah. we talked about this is like on camera these are your characters, and I believe, yeah, it was Chris who mentioned that Umber is really the only one that when the camera goes off, he's a completely different person. But now uh, that everything has transpired I, this way, honestly, like, I have no idea think, if that's going I, to decide that. Or everyone has kind of bought into the fantasy. <laughs> we I, all really have kayfabe now that we're... Because that, that, uh, even when you look at our... Pat, like when you hear heard everybody's flashbacks and past selves, this was just the next step in our own characters that that we created. I, I like the idea that John is always in character because of the crossover event. He can't come out of character because technically he's not allowed to exist out of character. Ah, that's interesting. I want to also throw it out there that in the character creation or, or session zero that Chris's character was supposed to have like multi-personality issues, but that's not a thing now. And we took that over. Cause he went from the bubbling yeah. idiot to the, to this, I'm going to rip your head off like that. My, my kind of snapping point was when uh, Tana screwed me in that match. Mm. And that was the point where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have a vengeance streak. It's go time. <laughs> hey, go ahead. I've kept it also since Session Zero. It's one of the few things that Axel has maintained since his love for animals is he still does not call Macho Mage by Macho Mage. He still has something different he calls him every time. <laughs> That's specificity. That matters. The most recent one was Macho Manwich. Yep. Because he can't remember his name. I do think there's fun. something 
weird and underneath that we're kind of still discovering. Because at least for me, like the flashback told me a lot about sometimes I poke things just to make sure that they're real. Like Bjorn doesn't know. And it's sort of lost in that kayfabe versus person versus kayfabe thing on top of, I don't know if this is real or not. I can't remember, uh, which is fascinating. But taking this as like, they're all insane, quote unquote, and there's actually things going on in their heads. I don't know. Some of these characters, I'm like, was Wheels, did Wheels exist? It's going to be weird. Yeah. Once we move promotions and we're still these crazy idiots pulling into a bigger promotion. Yeah, I got I, in a fight I, in a parking yeah. lot in the middle of the night. I was throwing people through cars, but did I wake up in a parking lot and by myself? Uh, I'm, like, just wait, I'm just waiting for the... we When we go to Paint Town, that's going to be the biggest <laughs> drug trip ever. I know it's... When, when you start traveling around to, like, different cities for show, because that will be a thing. Sure. Down the line, it's... Listen... With second edition of Worldwide Wrestling, it introduces like so many different like more. It's no longer just what happens in the ring. There's a section of it breaks down of different things you could do. Like when you're not filming, like what do family lives look like for all sure. these wrestlers? Oh, like con yeah. conventions like we know the wrestlers sometimes go to these conventions to like, do yeah. signings and stuff. Yeah. What does that look like? Was, There's I even talk, a chapter. We talked about this in the last fireside. Like that was the <laughs> yeah. like this whole behind the scenes thing. I really I think it'd be hilarious. Just an episode of no matches, just like behind the scenes of what these guys are doing. Just role plays us as characters behind the scenes with no matches. I think that'd be incredible. Oh God. I will show you the out of character version. Uh, John well, we're still in character because we're a bunch of crazy idiots, but because we're still in <laughs> character, like we're like, like, oh, oh I still can't count to four. <laughs> I can okay. only count to four. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I'm no, saying... no, no, he can't because remember in the tag match he was like, right. "Why well, there's too many people here? I have more people in this match, and I can count with. I don't like it." You can't count to six. You can count past three. It would be fantastic if off-screen Axel's actually had like a PhD in astrophysics or something like that. Oh <laughs> my god! Oh, I'm I sure. thought about it. I thought this dude's actually sure. like super intelligent. Or I even will... so, because it goes with the theme. Like in real life, he's actually this is like the side gig, and he's actually like a veterinarian <laughs> at the <laughs> I, actual yeah, animal yeah. shelter. Yeah. I, oh I, my I, gosh! I, I just got Nacho Libre vibes. I just created this backstory in my head. <laughs> Like, he's a veterinarian who decided to do pro wrestling because he needed the extra money because he's trying, instead of saving the orphanage, he's saving the animal shelters. <laughs> isn't that the Kevin James movie, too, where he's a teacher in a high school all day? I was just thinking he's trying, to save, he's trying to save the music program. Here comes the boom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an easy so flick, the... but it's actually really funny. Boss Rutten's oh, in there. It. It's hilarious. It's incredible. I love Boss Rutten. It's actually really good. Wait, didn't we make it canon? That Macho Mage and John, when not on set and out of character, they run a podcast together. Didn't we do that? I feel there have been I, so many things. I don't honestly. I, I do don't remember, remember. something about that. Yeah, they, it they like run, they run a battle, but they do. I think it's a po they run a podcast on something. That's, that's <laughs> oh, oh wait, no, I think it was a theater podcast. Oh my gosh, it was a theater podcast. <laughs> really there's, bringing this there's around. a theater podcast. It's canon. <laughs> yeah, it's run by him, Macho Mage. <laughs> oh it's like whatever his actual name is, like Steve or whatever his actual name is. <laughs> it's got to be like reviewing horrible community theater shows, but doing it seriously. Oh In between goodness. taking his kids to like soccer and because he has two kids. Dance. I remember the kids. I remember the kids angle. Yeah. Yeah. The one had his bar, his bar mitzvah. 
<laughs> as John's working on it, as John's working on it in the background of his next wooden mask for the Cole Club, just handcrafting it. Macho uh, Mage's retirement match has to be against one of his kids. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Wow. Okay, yeah. so depending how the rest of the story goes, we may save that for when we... I've, it's out there in the podcast because I talked about this during character creation because the way that I'm leveling the, these quote-unquote promotions is that this is like the indie scene. Then the next one, the next... After we finish with the indie scene, then you guys will go to developmental, then you'll go to main roster, and then the end point for this campaign is you guys will be going to like World Grand Prix. So it's going to be so much fun. I, I may or may not... It's, it's, I can't wait. <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say this for my move point. I was debating to join the actual crew in the wrestling spot by becoming like an ace or something. But I was like, for John, that doesn't make sense. If anything, manager John will have a manager on the pole match. <laughs> I, I gotta ask, oh, Mikey, really quick. We talked about what was the plans for Axel and Bjorn, the original idea you had for our two characters. Oh yeah. You okay. Didn't okay. So yeah. So. That actually is a good kind of like full circle moment for this portion. So actually my original plans based on everything, I, I wasn't planning on, you two were actually going to be rivals and you guys were going to have this best of two, like this best of three series kind of shtick where leading into the pay-per-view, you guys will end up with a tied record. And then at the pay-per-view, you would have fought each other and then Basically, you guys were just feuding to claim who was the best because the way that when we talked in character creation, initially Bjorn is the veteran, so he's just like, these new guys can't do what I do and all that kind of stuff because we had discussed it. So I was like, okay, my original plan was, okay, we're going to have the archetype of veteran versus the new kid and like the veteran would get the ahead a little bit in this rivalry because he's been around the block but then the new kid will show him up like throwing things that he has never had or trained for and then it my original plan was for it to end and then you guys would end up like being i can respect that never in a million years did i think you guys would be a tag team and go after the tag titles but here we are and it is <laughs> glorious and great that could have been what the bedlam break was their pay-per-view match that final match between them yeah. I had considered it, but then once they became a tag team, I was like, nah, we're going with the tag team storyline here. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it worked out to the best. And yeah, so I'm excited to see for this next pay-per-view arc that we have now that you are the defending champions. The Sakura Bombs oh, definitely oh, oh, want oh, a oh, rematch. Mike, you have to say it right. The reigning oh, team champions. I'm going to let you do that because you do it a lot better than I do. But yeah, the Sakura <laughs> Bombs want a rematch. They want to continue to fight. There's a propensity for violence when the two of your teams get together, so it's like going to be great. But then we also have the Bayou Brotherhood waiting in the wings as well, so there's that the little Louisiana bit. Man hasn't even been in a match yet. I'm terrified of him. Louisiana <laughs> Man hasn't even stepped foot in a ring yet. And slowly creeping by in their minivan is the soccer moms. Just waiting. Oh. <laughs> I'm so They're the new signees the to moms. Insane Asylum Wrestling. I'm so excited for the soccer moms. If they to... don't appear in Insane Asylum Wrestling, I'm keeping that idea in the back pocket for when we go to different promotions. They have like that back window sticker that has all their kids on it and has, uh, I just oh, came from Hogwarts. Stick and, and the family with Stick Fig. Yeah. 
They're finishing off to like hitting us with like soccer balls. This is my kids' equipment. Ball to the face. No, what I was thinking is that the finishing move is like the participation trophy, and it's just like a soccer trophy. Instead of the steel pipe, it's just like the soccer trophy. That's actually a cool day for a finisher, participation trophy. I mean, if they actually play soccer, you could do some cool Shaolin soccer stuff and just soccer balls to the dogs. Oh my gosh. Just, did you want to participate? Hand him the trophy and then soccer ball. It's over. They have to show up to the ring with lighter bucks in hand and like flash it in people's faces. But like all of the go cup of live of them. Oh my gosh. The ring to the face, but it's like frappuccino to the face. I see where C2 is going. <laughs> like, this is just all gold. And then I'm just thinking, like, that ring gear is just, like, total soccer mom. It's just, like, juicy couture. <laughs> like, Absolute the sweatpants. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> like, the juicy couture, like, sweatpants yep. and things like that. Oh, my goodness. It's great. But, yeah. I can't wait for the tag team arc for this next upcoming pay-per-view. Because, again, probably everything is going to change at... A moment's notice, but I am here for it. And honestly, th this, all the stories have turned out so much better than what my original plans were, and that's oh. because you guys are great. But speaking of changing plans, so let's go to the Bedlam Break Championship. So my intention was to have a third title be introduced. However, I wasn't expecting Umbra to be the one to go into this. But then after <laughs> everything that happened after the first actual session of the game, I'm like, okay, this is where it's going to be. So <laughs> once again, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to reveal what my original plans were for this. Oh, so, funny, for this. so funny enough, this storyline was probably the... I don't want to say the most difficult to change, but I was trying to narratively make sense because originally I was going to put Macho Mage into this storyline. So the fact that he's never won the big one. So the, my original plan for this is that Macho Mage would still be competing in a number one contenders tournament, but he would be competing for the Bedlam Break title. So my original plan was because this is technically i don't want to say mid card because all the titles are worth something in iaw but for to all intents and purposes the bedlam break is like your mid card title is like the equivalent of your intercontinental title united states championship ent championship so like the mid card title and my original plan was to have macho mage actually get to the finals at the pay-per-view and I was going more for the storyline of whoever he was facing would be coming after him and claiming that Macho Mage only won because of a fluke victory. And so Macho Mage would win, but it would be like a fluky kind of way, questionable at best, be like how some storylines go. But all that got thrown out the window the moment that you, Chris, like literally critical failed the towel roll. When, oh, after yeah. your match, after Tana costs you the match, and you try to attack her and drag her with her own towel, and you critically failed that, that moment threw that entire plan out the window. <laughs> yeah, I remember, like, going through my head was, this would be really awesome for me to start, like, I wanted to start this feud with her from I, the moment I, she did that, and what I wanted to do was basically end up, like, 
dragging her down to the point of her slamming backwards onto the ground, pick up the mic and essentially be like, only I get to choose how I end my match and just drop it. Or even just do my finisher onto her, end it, and walk out of there and just start this feud. I was hoping that's how it was going to go, but it still kind of happened. <laughs> just not in the way I was expecting. I, I, okay. Since we're talking about Tana so much, I would like to talk about backstory Tana. Sweet little innocent, I'm a good girl Tana? Yeah. It's, I, I, okay, now I have to know. Is that how she is when there's no cameras around and she can act like a normal person? I can neither confirm nor deny because now that we've talked to this in a little bit, everyone's kind of bought into the fantasy of insane asylum wrestling. And so there's like this, as John mentioned earlier, there's like this underlying thing when it comes to everything, what's real, what's not. Mm -hmm. So who's to say, because wrestling characters, they always change. Like they get repackaged and they come out as something different. But we can neither confirm nor deny if that was just the character of Tana or if that is her true personality. Or is, we is this, may is never this know. Or also, that confirms that Tana's been one of the longest tenured wrestlers in this company besides, like, yeah. John. Besides yeah. Bjorn. She so, for a fat minute. That, so, that, feed, that feedback, excuse me, that uh, flashback, excuse me, was huge in telling that. No, and so, like, to give a little bit of history of IAW, like, looking at the entire roster, even though Bjorn is technically the veteran class, the three that have been here the longest is Bjorn, Macho Mage, and Tana. Those are, like, your pillars of IAW when it first started. And then if we're looking towards the younger end of the spectrum of the roster from the playable characters... Axel and Umbra would be considered that younger class because they're the newest ones. They've been here for a couple years, but there's such a stark difference between Bjorn and Tana and Macho Mage and Umbra and Axel, and even to an extent Wheels, because Wheels would fall under that young category too. And then of course all the NPCs, they fall underneath that. So if we were gonna put a fourth there, one half of Team Surf and Turf, Tommy Tsunami, the older gentleman of that tag team, would be considered like the fourth pillar. So he was he's been around forever. And then you have the newer kids like Wade Water and then Kid Cuts. Like those are your new those are like the babies. They are barely a year into the wrestling. And so and, like and, they're really new. Yeah, and I it's still weird to be like thinking about this. John was a janitor and i'm sorry i'm bringing this up again it's just weird because like how did you become a from being a janitor when this all started up become one of the managers and see what i like about that is because we haven't discussed at all how that actually happens so that leaves a lot of good story threads of different ways that could happen because we've already established that john and iaw general manager miss reba they have a history, but we don't know to what extent that history actually is. So, and we don't know, that, and, we, and we don't know if he has any other histories with old bloods here. Yeah, well, and that actually, that's just awesome. Actually, that's just awesome stuff to play with. Speaking actually, of history, like I thought it was funny. Your original plan was for me and Bjorn to be like in a rivalry match, but it sounded like by our by the flashback that he was like my first mentor coming into this. Yeah. 
And that kind of changed too, because once you guys became a tag team, like those ideas shifted. And so that mentor figure is like exactly what needed to happen. And so I was just like, you know what? Let's just go with it. They're a tag team. This could be their history. But yeah, so <laughs> Chris. So once you critically failed that role, that just set everything out of motion. But then I was just like, okay, I already had this championship already prepared. The only thing that wasn't part of the original design of this thing is the idea that I took inspiration from Impact's X Division title, where the champion of that could vacate it and choose option C and basically get a championship match for the main title. So I was like, okay. I still want Umbra and Tana to face off at some point, but how do I make that narratively make sense? And then I'm like, boom, here we go. So now that you're the Bedlam Break Championship, you can only defend the title in Bedlam Break matches, but you can vacate the title and get a championship match. And technically, Tana is still number one contender because she wants a rematch, but who's to say that might turn into a triple threat at some point? Yeah, like, when you told me that was gonna be a title that I could vacate and get the championship, I thought that's where it was going. No offense to Macho Mage, I was assuming he was going to lose that match, and because I actually started making that plan that at the very end of my match, I was gonna get up on the cage and call Tana out immediately, but, eh. This sounds, it still sounds like it's going to be a fun idea to do. And I love that, the idea of that, that match with everything. Um, I remember when we were first thinking about the promotion, we mentioned the idea of instead of a cage match, it being a, a padded room match. And I'm so glad that we were able to bring that to fruition too. I really want to do a padded room match. I really want to be in. I want to do I just remembered as we're talking what the original idea for John was and how it, this is not, this was, this is way far from the original idea. Because I believe when we were discussing for John, the original idea for him was being like, yeah, I'm the mom of this, of these wrestlers, like manager. And my, have we how we strayed from that? No, I became the mom of the group. Yeah, you know, your mom now. I just drag you back, drag you out of that match into the locker rooms, and just sit you down and give you a talking to. I'm like, shit, I am the mom of the group. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't planned, but it has become a beautiful moment. But yeah. Okay, so I want, before we go to John and just the shenanigans that have transpired, that The room honest, where it happens. Oh my goodness, that honestly said a lot of these off emotions, but like, one of my favorite moments was, so during this number one contenders moment, I think my favorite moment of this whole entire storyline, Chris, is the fact that this was, again, this was not a planned thing, but in your match against wade to advance in the tournament like you literally described how you're setting up your finisher and then on the spot i created that move for you to do your flashy finish and just the way you described it was so freaking awesome i was just like i cannot let him do this so i was just like because you were gonna win that match but i wasn't expecting it to be a flashy finish 
And then honestly, I'm glad you ran with it because technically at this point, the audience was like, eh, whatever. But then after that whole match, I was like, okay, let's narratively put it up here. So that moment was amazing. And I used it as an opportunity to get the fans to like be so much more behind Umbra. <laughs> yeah, like I always had Umbra being that kind of flashy person because like I've said, ex Cirque du Soleil, he enjoys doing those kind of acrobatics. So of course he's going to bring that so I always saw him bringing that out. Another thing that came to my mind is that if I did end up getting a pay-per-view match with Tana, I was going to request that Tana comes out first. So huh. that when I, like how Umbra would normally do, be up there and then drop into the split to, for the pyrotechnics. My thought was this time he was going to go into the pose, go into the split and just shoot up a middle finger at her while <laughs> just staring her at her from the ramp. I mean it could still happen at it could still point. happen but I was like it was like he I saw him as I don't want to say cocky because he knows his skill but it's also just he loves putting on a show he loves pe getting folks in he's the provocateur he's the one that gets everyone enthralled with him and they don't know why it's just who he is and so he's going to do things weird and wild. And that's what where I came up with that move, especially during the Bedlam break. Uh, when I did it off the cage, I remember talking to, I think I was talking to Minnie about wanting to do that or you about wanting to do that. Uh, and then it was just like, oh, I could grab the belt and do this. Okay. It was funny because like thinking back, I regret that because I always saw Umbra, he's a tall and also a lot skinnier because he's so bendy. <laughs> My thought after the fact was that he wasn't going to jump off and grab the belt. Instead, he was going to jump off and like almost dive through the loop of the belt. And that's how he's going to pull it down so that when he lands on the ground, it's already around his waist. <laughs> and I was like, but and like I said, the pay-per-view was so much fun to do, and that would be my last kind of like closing statement for that. But yeah, the bed, the break one at first, I was like, it was difficult for me to figure out, OK, narratively, how do we make this interesting? And the guy, Dice Gods blessed me when you failed so miserably with that role i was just like thank you dice gods because now you've given me a motivation to put this character in it and rn jesus blesses us all <laughs> yes and and just as a quick side note for that too is that as a, the game master for this game i am so appreciative that you guys roll with whatever i throw at you <laughs> And you're just like, no, I don't want to do this. No, I'm not doing that. You're just like, okay, fuck it. Let's just do it and see what happens. Because that was my biggest fear. I was just like, getting used to knowing how the matches already are going to end on my end. You as players don't know who's supposed to win, but I do. Sure. So my biggest fear was just like, oh, I hope people don't get mad because they're losing matches and they hope that they were going to win. So that was my biggest thing and trying to make it a fair fight so it could go either way has been a test in terms of making it interesting but honestly because you guys just roll with it i'm like oh thank gosh like it's that ship has sailed far away yeah to be, to be I, fair i think, oh, I, think I think one thing about it is also the fact that a lot of us were also very unfamiliar with this rule set 
So coming into this, uh, we're a lot of us are still in that D&D mindset that uh, any sort of tabletop game mindset where we're always trying to win. But we also know that you can tr actually control what happens to us. You control whether we win or lose. And while you can change that in a moment, it's we don't have that power. So we could be throwing everything at the match, but we're still going to lose. And during like the first couple sessions, we I know th there might be a little bit of frustration uh, with this game because we're thinking, oh, I'm going to win it. I'm doing so well. I'm going to win this and then end up losing because that's not how the story was written. I think once we got used to the rule set and the storytelling and RP aspects of this game, that's when we that's at least for me, that's when I started loosening up. I was like, all right, I'm going to let Mikey handle whether I win, whether I lose, whether I get injured, whether I get thrown through a car or something. And I'm just going to have fun with it. And that's, I enjoyed this game from the start, but that's when I really started to enjoy it when we're given that freedom to just enjoy we keep talking about improv and the uh, the yes and i think that's a lot of it this actually hate i'll say it th this game is a fantastic improv practice too <laughs> i think adolfo said something i don't know if it was on air or off air one of the initial episodes we had but we got into a conversation about it's not turning into what makes me look good or if I get these stats or those stats, or if I get my momentum back, it started turning into, okay, what makes the promotion look better? Who am yeah, I yeah. putting over? Yeah. Who am I doing that? Okay, I'm who? what role am I playing to make everyone look better? And I love that you said that, Chris, because I had the similar, the first few episodes in, I was like, oh, this isn't really character creation in typical D&D. This is, can I make everyone look good by doing crazy shit? And even if I break my ankle or something goes wrong... Now that's a part of the storyline. So now I have another scene in which I have to have that. So it's sort of covering the circumstances as you go. And I think we've all bought into that really quick. I think I'm the only one who, who isn't like that for that mindset. Only because I played Monster of the Week. I think that's the only reason why I got into Manager John and be like, I might not win this. I'm the support guy. I'm made to help the wrestlers. And that actually is a good transition because technically you're the newest cast member when it comes to all this because you came in two, three sessions after we had started. Yeah. And originally, I mean, it's said in the episode when you guest starred, but at, towards the end, like this was originally supposed to be a guest star. And the fact that you enhanced right away, what made me decide that I wanted to keep this character and you specifically around was the fact that you enhanced the stories that were happening. Honestly, because of the heel turn, I was just like, okay, now I can't just not have him in here because there are now loose plot threads. I'm like, we have Axel who's ready to whoop some ass and he wants revenge. And then the fact that Umbra is his friend and then there might be some words there. And then as we continue to build towards the pay-per-view, your interactions with the cold club and just everything that happened in that storyline i was just like, okay i have to keep him now. like there's no way because uh, you enhanced uh, the story and that was something i was not prepared for but i'm so happy it happened because i'm like okay <laughs> this is a dimension that the story needs so we need the chaos we need i don't want to say villain of the story because i feel that's a little unfair he's like <laughs> unintentionally become the villain for the story but i feel like he's the one that had to He's not the villain. Tan is the villain. He's the ultimate bad guy. 
John was the spark that is needed to light the flame, if anything. And so, like, from a Game Master perspective, one of the things that I was completely worried about, because there was only really one moment in the entire arc of lockdown pay-per-view so far that I had a little bit of question about and doubt as far as should I say something, should I not let this happen, was the fact that when you got thrown into the sack and then you got left in the boiler room, there was a moment I was just like, I don't know if I should stop this or I should let it happen. That was the one moment I'm like, because in my head, again, over analytical Mikey here, I was just like, I hope Echo doesn't seem that these characters are bullying his character. Oh, I, I love that interaction, how the character, in character, John hates it. But, and see, that kind of leads to my point that I was going to make next, that when we got off camera and talked about it, and everyone was cool with it, and everyone was fine with it, like, it dissuaded a lot of that apprehension I have, and kind of made that, maybe I should have said something, maybe I shouldn't have, and it went away. But honestly, that moment also helped me become a better DM. I was like, okay, so thankfully, and <laughs> this is bad podcasting to refer to a different podcast, but <laughs> when we had, when in the Call of the Deep Fire side that we had, John, you had mentioned you and the other John, JVL. There's too many of you. I can't Hundreds of us anymore. We are the I we can't. are a cancer on this earth. There are Johns Make, everywhere. But both of, oh jeez. But both of you made really good points is that the space that the game is set in and the pieces that I set up, you guys just interact with it and you run with it and you shape yeah. the world that's around with it. And so that kind of lends itself into here. I had no idea how the dynamic of all these groups were going to be when I first put this all together. Sure. And yeah. as easy as it would be for me to say, oh yeah, I knew exactly what I was doing when I was asking certain people to be a part of this. In reality, I had no fucking clue because ultimately <laughs> I just picked people who wanted to play, honestly. And the fact that the dynamics have been created the way that they have isn't a testament to how brilliant each of you are because I put the group together but the dynamic that you created was all on you guys and the way that you interact and rift off each other. And that's a testament to how talented and how willing you guys are open to whatever happens. And so as a game master, sure. it just makes me happy because you guys are having fun. So my goal of when I started this whole game is starting to come to fruition. I just want a game where people have fun. Yeah, well, and I just... I wanted to mention also on that point, because I know uh, my my character really did not like John after the first, first bit. And you saying that was like, I, I know my character could have been a little bit harsh and pointed. But afterwards, I was like, dude, you're fucking awesome. And I love having you here. It's I, been like, it's so much fun. I, I it's, 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 it's weird. No, go for it. It still hurts me to play John. I'm like, I don't want to be evil, gosh dang it, but I made him like this, so I have okay. to continue. So, but Chris, go ahead, Chris, and then I'll make my point afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I also want to say, you've given me also a challenge, too, because I've never played a character that had illegitimate conflict with another mm. character. So this was definitely 
uh, the reason I really wanted to try to go that route is to try that side and try that kind of, I guess yeah. you can almost say acting, um, because I don't really have that experience much, and I wanted to try it. So I apologize. I apologize if I end, ended up going and at any point over it, over overboard. <laughs> I just wanted to say it's fine. And I think, Mikey, it's a testament to the casting of the group that you put together. And you created an environment where we can push this as far as we want. It wasn't like everyone was going to murder John. It was going <laughs> to be creepy and weird. <laughs> so John, Go ahead. John thought he was going to get murdered. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, Bjorn was like, I'm going to put you in a sack. I'm going to leave you in the boiler room. Bye. But again, still in that world, of like, I don't know what's real and what's not. Or all Bjorn knows that might have just been putting trash in the trash bin as opposed to putting John in a thing and putting him in the boiler room. So there's a lot of parallels in here. I'm going to be honest. He picked me up from the streets, essentially. Yeah, I saw a thing on TikTok. I commented, next thing you know, I'm here. And I'm trying my best to keep up with y'all. Shoot, you're doing just fine. Oh, and I'm next exactly. Thing you know, I'm here. I'm like, what's going on? Minnie, I'm exactly like you. It's just you commented, be like, hey, if you ever need someone, and the next thing you know, it's just like, you want to play? Sure, why not? Next thing you know, I'm like, oh, man, these guys have more followers than I have, like, will, like brain cells. This is insane. <laughs> Honestly, like, that was my mentality, too, when I started asking for people. Again, numbers aren't a thing, but, I mean, they are important because you want to see growth when it comes to the content that you create. So across all my games, if you like took a look at all the numbers, even though they don't matter in this case, they're being used for this purpose across all of it. Pretty much every single player that I have has way more many like con followers across their social medias than I do. And so I had to work through getting over that fact. I was just like, I don't know if anyone's going to say yes to this. I don't have the numbers, but the, it's like hi, a small creator here. I have this project. Don't know where it's going to go, but do you want to play in it? And it's, a, it's on... an illusion of hierarchy, right? It's not real. <laughs> no, that's what like, I'm saying. There's like this weird, because I, I remember it was really bad on Vine when I was on Vine. There was this strange sense of like, if you have X amount of followers, you're some sort of royalty and very important in a certain way, which killed the app by the end, because by the end it was like, fuck, I only have a thousand. Nobody likes me. That's not what it's about. It's just, and now with algorithms and other stuff like that, like, I think it's more you you genuinely found genuine people which is hard to do on a social media <laughs> just be like hey you seem like good people i so think you, that's also a testament to the dn tabletop communities on sure. tiktok yeah because a, a lot of us do have the followers we have but we've become more of a we don't care about no. the numbers we don't care about the BS. We just enjoyed playing games, and it was just for me uh, when I was thinking. I was when I had people who had someone who had like hundreds of thousands of followers just randomly message me one day and say, "Hey, I saw you're from Wisconsin." And I was like, "Wait, exist?" Yeah, <laughs> and true. Yeah, and then but at that point when you're realizing that the, that say what you will about TikTok at this point. But the community that we've made as creators for D and for tabletop community, we right. have created such a fantastic group of people that, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I like to. There's a little brag I like to do because a buddy of mine follows uh, follows you, John, on TikTok. Oh really? And he was like, oh, he showed me what he does. I'm like, hey, I play games with the guy. I know him. He's like, you do? I'm like, yes. Hey, that's He's awesome. awesome. And, oh, and just to conclude all this too, when it comes to this particular topic, I think for me, my initial goal of what I wanted D and D Vibe Tribe to become, whether it was this podcast or the many others that we got going on. It started from a place of selfishness because I got tired of the games I was in being dissolved. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to run some for people I know and somewhat friends with. So that way we can just have an excuse to get together and play some games. And now it has evolved into this little community that's starting to blossom. And I'm just like, I just want this to be a space where we could just come enjoy ourselves have a good time and just create genuine fun memories and honestly that was such a unexpected side effect when i started all this that this is the happiest i can ever be with when i originally set out for this and so this provides me this is as much work and as much as i complain of how much editing i have to do and just all the behind the scenes uh-huh. stuff that we're all doing to get this off the ground and at least word of mouth to people. Sure. But just the genuine bonds that have started to form and just how much joy everyone involved in this whole entire thing has come into my life. Honestly, this is probably not to say I had a miserable experience, but this brings me such a source of joy that this has become a tabletop family I never knew that I could have. And so that's just a testament to everyone who's involved in this because everyone, again, I don't believe in coincidences, but every single player that I have across all my cast, everyone is so genuine and caring and loving and just here to have a good time. It's just, it just makes me smile and it's, I don't know. That's just my take on it. <laughs> y'all remember, just... You all remember an hour and a half ago or two hours ago when Mikey said he had feelings? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's also funny because I remember like on a lot of these podcasts we've talked about, Mikey, you either mentioned or one of us mentioned how you have seven different games, all these podcasts, yada, all of this stuff. I don't think people really know the backstory and how this honestly started as two groups that wanted to play a game and it exploded so much from there I, it, I wasn't here at the beginning and funny story I actually found the original chat with those two groups and I thought <laughs> yes! that too. so I went back in history I thought this was for two new adventures coming out and I'm like cool Hey, Mikey, can I be seen for one of these? And, and like, I'm like, for what? <laughs> and I'm like, buddy, like at the date, this was like a year ago when we were originally concepting this game. This was what eventually became Friday Night Fights, Call of the Deep, and I want to say Furusato. And then it just exploded because I decided Boom. to... It... And honestly, it was because of those original games and word of mouth that got around to be like, hey, this dude that's somewhat on the internet that some people know, he's doing these different games. And then from there it exploded. And honestly, because I have a very bad habit of not knowing how to say no to people, I ended up creating all these multitude of games because I wanted to include 
the people that wanted to play and people who reached out that I never thought knew I existed, Chris said, was such a baffling. And now um, you have thing. more work and now you have to do all these things. Ah. Ex at least, honestly, at least, hey, at least one of them you just get to play in. <laughs> yes, that is a beautiful thing. But yeah, I, I, I love it. It has been a year. Yeah, it really wow. has. Yeah. It really has. <laughs> it's been, it has been a year. Wow. <laughs> and I have infected one of the first podcasts. I still must make my NPC <laughs> appearance in all the other podcasts. I remember on the Discord getting the poll as to like the games that we wanted to play. If we wanted to play Fiercato, if we wanted to play uh, Friday Night. And I think I was actually a later edition of Friday Night Fights. I was because I was. I remember the poll for Fiercato. Yeah, because it, it was Furusato or I think you were taking kids on bikes. Yes. You were going between yeah. those two. And yeah, yeah, then yeah, I yeah. think Mikey came up with the Friday Night Fights one. Yep. And a bunch of us jumped on that, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, man. Hey, I, I, I've been here since uh, December. Uh, that's when, I, that's uh, when we first, when Mikey first DM'd me on TikTok. I, be, I believe, Mikey did, I believe I DM Mikey during, I believe, Black Friday for Nights of Paint Town because I was the idiot who bought the whole collector set without reading a when, Again, which, which I don't believe be exactly. I don't believe hear. in coincidences. I believe everything happens for a reason. And so everything just kind up. But yeah. Oh my goodness. This whole entire lockdown arc was so much fun to run. And now I'm so... Now that we've kind of debriefed and talked about everything that happened and kind of gave our general thoughts and opinions of just the game in general, it gives me even more excitement and drive to push the story to see what is going to happen for this next pay-per-view. And so I think this is going to be a good point to end our fireside chat with this lovely talk about feelings and things like that. End it on a sweet note. Before we end... I have to mention one thing. Go for it. Songcraft has been playing the perfect music throughout everything. I don't... I have no clue how it is doing it, but knows how to do it. Listen, I tried... I, my mantra is make moves in silence, so I'm trying to stay humble, but one thing I do pride myself on is this is that music, for me, is something that I try to have in all my games because it, it can enhance the moment. And so since we're doing a fireside chat, I just picked a calm playlist that's just been playing in the background. So it's interesting how a mood can set up the rest of it. But to everyone who stuck with us this episode, thank you so much for tuning into the second half of our fireside chat for Friday Night Fights. When we come back with the next episode, we are going to kick off the bill to our next pay-per-view which I have titled it Resurrection. So that is going to be the title of our next pay-per-view. I will do the spelling later to avoid copyright purposes, but with all of, well, the majority of our wrestlers, all champions, it's going to be very interesting to see how they work to maintain those titles and all the stuff that could come from it. But until next time, from me and my amazing cast here at Friday Night Fights, thank you for tuning in. And remember, Podcast Land, love one another, take care of each other out there. And as always, here at the D&D Vibe Tribe production, let the good times roll.
see you next episode.